the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Friday, October 29th, 2021. I guess it's the last uh, time we'll be together in October, which whenever Dennis Prager says something like that, he'll say, which is immaterial to everything, means nothing. <laughs> okay. I was at a, um, I was giving a talk uh, yesterday, and someone said, well, you keep speaking of conservatism, which was the topic I was speaking on. So what kind of conservative are you? And I thought about that for a while, and I thought I'd share with you a more elucidated um, answer uh, that I tried to encapsulate without having given it a lot of thought in a long time. Abraham Lincoln, in 1854, at a famous Peoria speech, asked, what is conservatism rhetorically? And he said, is it not the adherence to the old and the tried against the new and the untried? And that's a start. But he went on, and I think it's a better finish. Let us readopt the Declaration of Independence and with it the practices and policies which harmonize with it. Let North and South, let all Americans, let all lovers of liberty everywhere join in this great and good work. If we do this, we shall not only have saved the Union, but we shall have so saved it as to make and to keep it forever worthy of the saving. We shall have so saved it that the succeeding millions of free, happy people the world over shall rise up and call us blessed to the latest generations, close quote. Let me try this with you and ask you to guess who said it. It's a quote. The United States carries a weighty and far-reaching responsibility, not only for the well-being of its own people, but for the development and destiny of people throughout the world. The Founding Fathers of the United States asserted their claim to freedom and independence on the basis of certain self-evident truths about the human person, truths which could be discerned in human nature, built into it by nature's God. Thus, the speaker went on, they meant to bring into being not just an independent territory, but a great experiment in what George Washington called ordered liberty, an experiment in which men and women would enjoy equality of rights and opportunities in the pursuit of happiness and in service to the common good. Reading the founding documents of the United States, one has to be impressed by the concept of freedom they enshrine, a freedom designed to enable people to fulfill their duties and responsibilities toward the family and toward the common good of the community. The speaker continued, their authors clearly understood that there could be no happiness without respect and support for the natural groupings through which people exist, develop, and seek the higher purposes of life in concert with others. The American democratic experiment has been successful in many ways. Millions of people around the world look to the United States as a model in their search for freedom, dignity, and prosperity. But the continuing success of American democracy depends on the degree to which each new generation, native-born and immigrant, 
makes its own the moral truths on which the Founding Fathers staked the future of their republic. Their commitment to build a free society with liberty and justice for all must be constantly renewed if the United States is to fill the destiny to which the Founders pledged their lives, fortune, and sacred honor. The Speaker concluded with a prayer for this country, quote, that America will experience a new birth of freedom, freedom grounded in truth and ordered to goodness, close quote, end of prayer. Any guess who said that? Perhaps with President Joe Biden meeting the Pope today and telling him stories about Satchel Paige, I can give you a hint. Anyone? Okay. It was Pope John Paul II welcoming the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See in 1998. It's not about, and the Pope did not mention, as my professor Harry Jaffa likes to point out, that our founders were committed to anything like, and they did not use the word, values, not Western values, not traditional values, or any other kind of subjective noun. They spoke of right and wrong and of truths and natural rights and natural law. This is the kind of conservative I am. One who stands with our founders and the natural individual rights we all have and founded our country on and is on an uncontrolled sluice right now in eradicating and memory-holing all of it. You see it almost any, everywhere. And you've heard me quote a lot of things on this. For today, the Czech writer Milan Kundura, who knows what it's like to lose a country, his quote will do from his book on laughter and forgetting, Milan Kundera. The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history. Then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. And before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was. The world around it will forget even faster. Close quote. That's how you do it. And that's how the left and frankly too much of the right which allowed it, does it. As Jean-Francois Ravel put it, democratic civilization is the first in history to blame itself because another power is working to destroy it. The distinguishing mark of our century is not so much Marxism's determination to erase democracy from our planet or its frequent success in pursuing that end as it is the humility with which democracy is not only consenting to its own obliteration, but is contriving to legitimize its deadliest enemy's victory, close quote. He goes on. It is natural for communism and Marxism to try with all its might to eliminate democracy since the two systems are incompatible and depend on the rival's annihilation. But it is less natural and more novel that the stricken civilization should not only be deeply convinced of the rightness of its own defeat, but that it should regale its friends and foes with reasons why defending itself would be immoral and, in any event, superfluous, useless, and even dangerous. For clearly a civilization that feels guilty for everything it is and does will lack the energy and conviction to defend itself. You worried about that conviction? How does one get to that kind of self-hate or guilt? How does one get to the point that we no longer defend our own honor? By erasing our history, by distorting it, and then censoring those who try to teach or reteach that which is being washed away by Marxist firehoses all day long. Kundera had it right. 
Orwell had it right. Whitaker Chambers had it right. Those who visited the dark house of Marxism, stayed a while, supped there, ultimately heard the screams and fled. And as they will tell you, all of them, they had somewhere to go. They had a free part of Europe in some cases, of course, but what they really wanted and where they really wanted to go was America. They had America. And America had no self-doubt in those days because it understood human nature, because its founding understood human nature. Its founding understood human nature because its founders understood human nature. And its founders understood human nature because its founders understood the natural law. We didn't buy the notion we could create a new man in a utopia, a la Marx. The idea of man being lower than God and angels and above animals was just fine, thank you. But once human nature can be perverted, you get ideas like this, if I may quote. Quote, revolutionaries will come who will sing the song of the new man and woman and the true voice of the people. This is a process that takes time. In our society, the youth and the party play a big part. The former, that is the youth, is especially important because it is the malleable clay from which the new person can be built with none of the old defects. The youth are treated in accordance with our aspirations. Their education is every day more complete, and we do not neglect their incorporation into work from the outside. Close quote. Sound familiar? Any guesses as to who said that? I give you the man whose poster adorns more college dorm rooms than any other, Dr. Che Guevara. What kind of conservative am I? The kind that thinks the world has had and heard enough screams, and the kind that knows the difference between fact and fiction, animal and man, man and God, and right and wrong. The kind that wants to resist those that don't. The kind that thought this could be the first revolution that would, unlike Saturn, not eat its children because it wasn't afraid of them. Are we that kind of country? Are we that kind of world? Did we fight that kind of revolution? Or are we eating our children just like Saturn and every other failed revolution? I'm Seth Liebson. Welcome to Open Line Fridays. The lines are open. 602-508-0960. Here's a little meatloaf. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth Liebson. Our phone numbers this Open Line Friday. Totally your show. 602 508 Zero nine six zero. We'll start with John in Rainbow Valley. Hi, John. Hi. Hey, Seth. There's my goggles to see through the BS the media puts out. I appreciate your show. Okay, thank but, you. Uh, Careful with the language. We try and run uh, a family uh, show here, buddy. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. why I said the two letters instead of the word. Oh, that's hey, all right. But, um, Seth, I got, I got in the mail a mail-in ballot, which I never asked for. And so I never signed nothing. How do you grab my signature to something I ever signed? Well, this is. Uh, did, did you did you know? Do you know if your vote counted? Did you track your vote, your ballot? 
My last one? Well, the one you're describing. Oh, no, I know nothing. I just got in the mail and was kind of upset. Oh, you and didn't mail? Doesn't... You didn't request one no, ever? No, it's, you know, no, I never requested it, so how can I get something I didn't ask for? Is it municipal? Kind of is, it, is, it, is it for a county or a municipal election? That would be different if it, than if it were statewide or federal. Well, it's this Tuesday's election. Are we having? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a universal thing. That's that's always yeah. been the case. That's always been the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's 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 uh, that that that's not for statewide or federal election. It's always been the case yeah. that uh, I, I I don't remember if it's the county or the city that is responsible for this. I think the county, but on on those kinds of bond elections, I think everyone pretty much gets one. Oh, okay. Well, I think I, I think I'm, I'm willing to be I'm willing to be corrected, but that was my understanding. I'm willing to be corrected, yeah. but I think yeah. I think that that is not the not to be as concerned about. I think yeah, if anyone well, knows I differently, let me know. Did. But I think on those those bond et cetera type elections, that's always been the case. Okay, yeah. I don't. You know, all those bonds they vote. No, I paid enough. I understand. Already. I get it. I get it. You know, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. All right, John. Bless you and have a blessed weekend. Keith is in Atlanta. Hello, Keith. How are you, Seth? I'm fine, sir. How are you? I was doing good until I heard about what they were talking about the four hundred fifty thousand dollar person reparations for it, people illegally coming into the country. Now, that just incentivizes a, a massive invasion. And and if they were to even do this, it would, where the country's already bankrupt as it is, how can any sane person do this kind of stuff? It's, it's what it comes down to is they don't respect the taxpayers who are, who are, uh, funding D.C., funding the nation. And, and if, they, if they get this thing to go through, the only thing I could say at this point is every taxpayer on April 15th just refused to file and see see what they're going to do. I mean, Keith, Keith they, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I have to tell you, taxpayer, never mind the taxpayer. How about just citizens of any age? American citizens of any age, uh, what 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 should they th- say about it? I mean, do all the kids who were born in America, um, do all the kids who are American citizens or who have come here legally and are legal um, legal immigrants, is all their funding take care of? They have all the schooling and good schooling at that that they need. They have all the all the health care and uh, all the all the nutrition the services they need. Are we done with taking care of the people who have? Uh, who have a claim to American citizenship and who have a claim to to, to legal legal residence here based on based on following the law? Are we done with all that? Is that all good? It's an interesting thing, isn't it, Keith? That we kind of started by noticing in California, was it in San Francisco, that they were now starting to pay, starting a project, starting a program in the city. I think it is San Francisco, starting a program to pay people to pay people not to commit firearms violence. In other words, to pay people not to be criminals. It's, it's, it's a pretty short distance between paying people not to be criminals and paying people for doing something that is illegal or criminal. It is, <laughs> it's a pretty short distance, isn't it? And, uh, it's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, I mean... What my concern is is this, just the fact that they're talking about it, 
how many people in Central and South America said, we got to hop on this bandwagon before this, this gravy train stops. This is going to cause another wave of illegals just flooding the nation. Listen, it's, it's clear that these people are not taking a fiduciary responsibility to take care of the citizens. They don't care about us. They want to destroy the nation. It's clear that no sane person would do this. Now, now about lawsuits for um, children and stuff like that, man, that they opened up a big can of worms because you look at the public education system. If the kids could sue anyone for for doing not doing their job, is is the public education system what they have done to the children in this school? You know, it's an interesting country. word you used, Keith, uh, no sane person. I think they're very sane. I really do. I think the left is very sane and very deliberate and very cognizant of what they are doing. I think they don't want us to find out. I think they don't want us to know. I think they don't want us to defeat or argue with them and thus defeat them. But I think they're very sane. I mean, if I'm a Democrat, if I'm a socialist, if I'm a Marxist, if I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders, um, this, this is exactly what I would be doing. This is exactly what I would be doing, increasing I, I, the number of people that can have a claim to the American citizenship or at least ballot and right to vote and services that will do two things, create a larger welfare state, which creates more dependence and a larger voting block for the socialist Marxist progressive agenda in America. I mean, it does yes. make sense at that level, right? That's not an insane notion, is it? Right. I, I, and I'm in, in total agreement. Yeah, no, you. I knew you I, would I be. Talk. I knew you would be. I just I just think that, you know, it's super important, super important that when we see this kind of thing going on, we hold on to this story because now this constitutes story 18 of the kinds of things this country would never have put up with four, five, six, or any other number of years ago you want. Any number of years ago you want. It's the kind of thing we never would have. This year we've run through about 18 of them, and people seem not to care. That's that's the amazing thing, because that's what I'm saying is, in normal times, people would put put their foot down and say, we're not taking this. But what, 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 what we're taking now may be considered normal compared to what the Democrats have in store for us in 10 years. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're you're absolutely right, Keith. I think you're absolutely right. And that's why when Obamacare was being debated, I remember Rick Santorum saying, you know, I remember an interview with Margaret Thatcher, and for all the reforms she made, in Great Britain, all the free market reforms and ending of regulations and bureaucracy, she couldn't touch the health care system because once that needle is in the arm, it's darn near impossible to take it out. Let that serve for a moment as a metaphor, the needle in the arm. We'll be right back. I'm back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. This open line Friday, there's a site for sore, sore eyes. Our old friend Dana in Chandler. Hello, Dana. How are you? How are the Louchins? How's everything? Uh, we, we're really good, actually. Um, 
enjoying the beautiful weather, you know, being outside, going for walks. You were on the, uh, you, were on the you were on the injured list for a while. We're glad to have you back and find yeah, fine well, settled. Thank you. You betcha. I'm, yeah, I'm back back to my normal self. You Good. but you guys, your bumper music today has been great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The uh the the meatloaf song that that you played. Oh yeah, from um, Rocky Horror, yeah. Yeah, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um you you put a big grin on my face today uh-huh. because when I heard that song, I instantly thought of um, a way cooler time in life when um, <laughs> one of the local theaters used to screen that movie every Friday and Saturday at midnight. Yes, and yes, there yes. was a bit of a cult following. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I I remember going. I remember it was a, for in my neighborhood. It was at Town and Country, I think. And uh, which is a mall around 20th and Camelback, so sort of actually not okay. very, not very far from here. And I remember going in high school. I was taken. It was kind of I, everyone remembers their first Rocky Horror experience. And by the yeah. way, it was at the Phoenix. It's at the Phoenix Theater. I'm told it's great. But um, it was um, it was in high school, and I was taken by an older mentor of mine who's this very Ivy League-educated, buttoned-up kind of person, very intellectual, deep-thought kind of person. And uh, we went, because I had never been. He had been. He said, I'll take you. And he was all into it. He was shouting at the screen and doing the – it was – it was a great thing. Do you know how Wheatloaf got that role of Eddie? No, I'd love to know. So they were rehearsing a stage version of it. I guess it started as a play. I want to say, by working off memory, it started as a play in London. But they were doing an L.A. version of it uh, for stage. And this is long before the movie, a few years before the movie came out, which was what, like 75, 76, something like that? And that that, that signature song of Meatloaf's, Whatever Happened to Saturday Night, When You Dressed Up Sharp and You Felt All Right, Don't Seem the Same Since Cosmic Light, all that. So it turns out that song is actually very hard to sing because it compresses a lot of lyrics in each bar of music. And the singer they had, the guy they had playing Eddie, couldn't get it done. He couldn't get the lyrics compressed into each bar of music. He wasn't a fast enough singer. And one of the people on stage says, you know, there's this guy down the street doing a production of Hair. Remember the musical Hair? He says, I think he can do it. That was Meatloaf. <laughs> That's what he's, they showed Meatloaf the song, and he said, they said, can you get each of these lyrics into each of these bars? And he said, I can do that. And if you go back and listen, it actually is a pretty fast-running set of lyrics. But he, he did that and then went on to make Bad Out of Hell, and, you know, it's just it's just What a great story, yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm, every you. man has to be good for something. I'm good for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, seriously, like, I thought you had made my day before, but now it's even better. Like, I didn't think it could get better, but it just did. What what famous musician, Dana, thank you, what famous musician, a little music trivia for you, uh, on a oh, hitchhiking trip to Los Angeles was picked up by someone who would later be known more famously by his name, Charles Manson. In other words, what famous musician hitchhiked and got a ride from Charles Manson to L.A.? Not Ozzy Osbourne. The answer is meatloaf. No way! Oh, there's a lot of meatloaf in Americana. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there is. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. See, I just listened to the music. I never thought about what was ever behind it. Oh, yeah. I got a, uh, yes, I got a story behind every song we play. I got a story behind everything we do here, Dana. 
<laughs> you should, awesome. Every man has That's to be awesome. good for something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about music. That's what I'm good for. Music, barbecue, and Sasquatches. And, and I know a little bit about dogs. You so sure? You, you know help, a lot about dogs. Know. You know a lot. <laughs> Dana, we're glad you're better. We're so glad. Thank we you. We're so glad to hear your voice. Don't Thank be a you. stranger. You have a great weekend. Bless you, dear. 602-5080-960. is right now on 60. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Just wanted to get some of those lyrics in there that I uh, that I knew uh, would be uh, worthwhile. Doug is in Maricopa. Hi, hi, Doug. Doug going once. Yep. There we go. Right here. That's pretty good. Yep. You won the bid on the first try. It, you know that normally I mute myself, and here I got I had a business call. I had a quick case <laughs> and jump back, so I apologize. Not. So, not at all. Not at all. Well, listen, you know, last last time you <clears throat> we talked, uh, you ended it with saying you agreed to 91 or 2 percent, but we weren't in first agreement. And I found I don't think liberals get this, but I found that really exciting. Oh, when wow. OK. I don't even remember back. what the argument was, but you were probably right. And I was probably wrong. No, 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 no. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember one time a couple of years back. I called and said the same thing. I, I, I was so excited uh, because I was in disagreement with Dennis Prager, a ah. man I re- so fiercely respect. Oh, wow. And I found that exciting. Do you remember what you were in? I'm curious. Of, do you remember what you disagreed with DP on? Yes. Actually, it's, it's been my diatribe for the last year. Yeah. It's basically not, it is not the principles of conservatism. I think we're all in first agreement with that. It's the process of, of fighting back. Oh, okay. Um, I think he's very genteel. Oh, I see. I'm, I'm of the thing that in this time, that has proved to be a big failure in the sense that their agenda keeps advancing. So I'm just, it's really more of a process. I, I get it. I get it. Can I put in one word of defense for, my, for our friend DP? Just sure. one? Just one? Oh, yeah. I yeah. think, however, there has to be a several-pronged approach. And while right. one of them yeah. might be debating and arguing, and he does a fair amount of that, an awfully lot, actually, more, more than most conservatives, he does a lot of debating. He goes on the liberal shows when they'll have him, the lefty shows even if they do. <laughs> but I think through particularly his show in Prager University, he's actually made a lot of converts. And I think that has to oh, be a prong of what we do as well. As Would you have, find that a fair just de- defense? We are in- Fierce agreement. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, <laughs> no, I, I also, no, no. but the, yeah. but there is a time for war and a time for peace, and uh, well, yeah. And and I, I think what happened to us. Here's my analysis of this, and I, and I think it's unique to con- us as conservatives. Um, liberals take this as part of their life, and it becomes who they are. They've replaced religion with the state. The state is their newfound religion, almost like the sacrament instead of being the sacrament of Christ. It is the, literally the, the putting on the altar of uh, abortion and sure. that kind of thing. It is amazing. It's become they live and breathe this kind of stuff. And I've witnessed over the last 40 years, I think what we have done on the right is because we were so we felt we essentially did nothing but observe and expected our culture to remain the same, always repeating that our people know 
were basically center right, and it was shifting because they were active and we were not. They pushed and we did not. And so um, when Rush came on and and it became the voice of us conservatives, and when talk radio took off, we turned over our ability to fight to talk radio. And so I am basically saying it is not for Dennis Prager, it is not for Seth. They're here to inform us and to be in the community. But it is up to us individually until we as individuals start to say we cannot depend on a cadre or group of people to do that for us. We will continue to lose until we all stand up in mass and say, I am part of this. You can't call you. You can't say you're a patriot if you do not fight for it. You can say you enjoy freedom, but you are not willing to fight for freedom. Then I would I would argue that you aren't a patriot if you're willing to let it fall because it's inconvenient. And so I say we have to stand up together. Dennis and you should not be alone. It should be an army of 100,000 saying, I am not only in first agreement, I am actively involved. Yeah, I, and, and I totally agree. We, we agree again. And, and, and that's why I think with a year of awfully bad news this year, it's been, it's been a horrible year. Uh, it just that's my take on it. You may differ um, po- politically and socially and culturally. It's been a, it's just right. been a terrible year. Worse than 2020 uh, by any measure yep. I can think yep. of by any measure. And remember how kind of interesting we were all kind of looking forward to this year being the better year. Kind of wish. Remember those yep. days? Seems like yesterday. Yep. We're yep. now 11 months <laughs> into this year. Um, and it's been and it's been a horrible one. But if there was one bright shining light to it i believe it was the school kids parents rising up and going to school board meetings and waking up waking up after their long slumber our long slumber as to what was going on in those schools i mean che guevara was right marx was right they engage in a process to create a new man and it's built on the youth and the party, the youth and the party. Yep, it does. And I, I think it's a, like I, you've heard me say before that for back in the 80s, I was going to school board meetings and, you know, we, very active in trying to fight for the schools. But the, the, we tended to be very um, reticent to do any action. You know, and I would go there, and like I said, my enemies were literally people on the uh, right who agreed with me because their ideas were, don't push too much, don't do this and this, we got to be nice. So the left always advanced their agenda. So to see people that were willing to stand up and say, okay, this is enough, um, I, it's exciting, but it is so far down the path that uh, they we have to have some pretty stiff backbones. I. There's some, um, I, you've heard me mention these, these sisters before. They were abolitionists, the Grimmick sisters. And Angelina was the, uh, you know, the one with the pen. And one of the things that she wrote was that she wrote so many beautiful things about the morality of um, fighting for the cause. But basically, she was saying it's totally immoral. Because their first part of their life was very deeply involved in religious activities. 
But by 1835, they realized that they had to get involved and begin to fight for this. And to imagine the courage of these older women by the time the Civil War came by, because they they were born in the 1790s, so they were already pretty old. And they lived in uh, South Carolina, okay? In the middle of the war, she is writing out out in the open that my country is bleeding and my people are perishing around me. But I feel as a South Carolinian that I am bound to tell the North that you must fight on. We have to have that kind of courage and say that I am willing to stand to the left or we can't call ourselves patriots. We're we're weak observers. And we have to have that kind of moral clarity and moral courage that these old women had in the midst of annihilation. Nicely put. Remember a phrase that used to be popular about our country was that we were a participatory democracy, a participatory democracy. You can't have it and keep it when only one side participates. Right, Doug? Welcome back. Open Lines Friday. Anything you want to talk about, anything you want to ask me, I just can't really do financial, legal, or medical advice. 602-508-0960. Anything else is fair game from music to barbecue to politics and policy, you name it, whatever you want. Um, I don't think I have enough time right here, but I don't know how many of you heard or saw the video of a wedding in Bisbee, Arizona, that Kirsten Cinema, Senator Cinema, was attending. Uh, she was attending a wedding at uh, the famous hotel there down in uh, what is it? The Queen Hotel. I just I just forget the name of it. Anyone who's been there knows it's the hotel in Bisbee. Classic, old, wonderful hotel. I don't know if you saw. She's she's merely there in attendance. Someone finds out about it, and the left, the progressives, the Marxist shock troops ruin the wedding, ruin it. You first of all, you had about thirty to fifty people marching outside of the hotel, right in front of it, right in front of it with anti-cinema signs. These aren't Republicans, by the way. This is the left. This is the Marxists. These are the Marxists. This is the movement from which cinema came out of, actually. Um, And then you have the mother of the bride crying, trying to negotiate with these protesters, even going so far as saying, I agree with you, but maybe not today, maybe not now. I'll play you that audio. I don't know if we have access to it just yet. Uh, maybe Rusty's queuing it up, but it just reminded me, it reminded me to the left, you know, while they will claim all the live long day that they should be insulated from, bubble wrapped from any idea that might upset their feelings, particularly in an educational setting like a college campus, while they will claim the need to have safety from ideas and quiet from controversy. While they will claim the need, if at ASU, for example, for example, they have to have spaces that not only are safe, but that are empty of anyone who might be white at their multicultural center. Um, while they will claim that, they believe in no safe spaces from politics in any other part of society. No other. No other. 
because to them we are to them we are in a obviously ever present crisis industrial complex and while they don't even probably know what are in these spending bills Kristen Cinema has been resistant to they just know that the party wants it and the party I don't mean the wedding party I mean the party with the capital P and they will ruin everything after all they don't believe in traditional family in the first place they've told us that's the curricula they want why would a wedding mean anything to them well it means something to most Americans. I'm wondering if we're on the precipice of a leftist revolution that's eating its own children. We'll pick that up when we come back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.